My name is Louis Hobgox. It's my honor and privilege to be here. I am so excited that you are all here tonight, both in person and online uh, all over the world. Uh, I believe you're in the right place. God has something for you, and it's great to be a part of this incredible family. Amen? Be a family. Uh, be a part of a family with Ernie and hear about what God does in each of our lives. Let's, uh, let's bow together in one final word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we look to your word tonight, we pray that your word becomes alive in our lives. Not simply words that are written on a page, but truths that become embedded into the very being and DNA of who we are. Help us to become the walking, talking, breathing word of God. Help us to be, help us to truly understand that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. The present, tangible presence of Jesus. And remind us that as individuals and corporately, we are the temple of the spirit of God on earth. That the spirit of God dwells in us. And where we go, the spirit goes. And that changes situations, attitudes, atmospheres. People and places can never be the same when they've encountered the spirit of God. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen? Well, we are in uh, a series called Stories. And tonight we're going to look at uh, the Apostle Matthew. Um, a few background facts as we kind of jump into this. Um, Matthew, sometimes in the scriptures, Matthew is referred to as Levi. We don't know why. Levi and Matthew. Maybe uh, Levi was the name of the tribe that Matthew came from. Maybe Levi was his Hebrew name and Matthew was his Greek name. Maybe he had like a, a, a name change when he encountered Jesus, like Saul to Paul. Uh, the truth is we just, we just don't know. But sometimes when you're reading the scriptures, we find Matthew, and then sometimes he's called Levi. Uh, what we do know is that Matthew was a Jew, and then he wrote his gospel, the Gospel of Matthew, focused on the primary audience originally was on, on Jewish Christians within a close proximity to Israel. His uh, gospel is the most Jewish-centric of the four gospels. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. He worked for the Roman government collecting taxes. Uh, a Jew's... Um, a Jew stepping into this profession was looked at as an act of betrayal to his people. He would be collecting uh, taxes and taking advantage of people. You see, he would be told that he needed to collect maybe like 10%, but then he would tell you who he was taxing, he needed to collect 20. And he'd kind of keep that extra bit for himself. And the people he was taxing had no way to get any, any justice, or there was no way they could appeal it. Tax collectors had this a uh, notorious and terrible reputation for pocketing the difference. Uh, to Jews, tax collectors were the very embodiment of sin. In Matthew's gospel, where Matthew's actually writing and he lists the 12 apostles and he lists himself in, uh, in Matthew 10, he says, these, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Matthew is writing about himself, and he's telling the world that he who is an apostle was formerly a tax collector. He doesn't point out any of the other uh, apostles' previous kind of occupations, 
But Matthew is trying to point out to his Jewish audience that he who was the very embodiment of sin in their world has now become an apostle of Jesus Christ. Matthew uh, was a sinner. Now, in New Testament times, in our present day, we think, well, everyone's a sinner. We all know Romans 3, right? For all have sinned. But in ancient Judaism, being called a sinner was kind of reserved for the worst of the worst. And tax collectors, by their very trade, were sinners. They were liars and cheaters who would try to swindle people for their own gain, robbing from often the most vulnerable among them. And often the richer the tax collector, the more despised they were because the assumption was the more corrupt they were. The more they were kind of skimming off of everyday citizens. The more they were taking advantage of their own people. And then Jesus lumps Matthew in with sinners in Matthew 9-11. Matthew was a tax collector, a sinner. He was an eyewitness to the ministry of Jesus. He was there. When we read his account of the events of Jesus' life, he was one of the ones who traveled with and traversed with Jesus. He was one of the 12 apostles, and obviously he's the author of the Gospel of Matthew, the uh, first book of the New Testament. Church history calls Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the four evangelists because they declare the story of Jesus for us to tell others. And then ultimately, in the end, Matthew was martyred for his faith. There's a number of different ideas on exactly how he was martyred. In John Fox's book, Book of the Martyrs, uh, published originally in 1563, under the entry for Matthew, it says, the scene of his labors were Parthia and Ethiopia, in which later country he suffered martyrdom, being slain with a halberd in the city of Nadba, AD 60. Halberd was a big battle axe with a spike on the end. You've maybe seen them when you watch TV. He ultimately gave his life. He was slain as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. So these are just kind of a few background facts about Matthew, sometimes called Levi, that I kind of want you just to kind of keep in your back pocket as we look at the call of Matthew. Jesus calls Matthew to become his follower. So we're going to start in Matthew 4. And we're going to look at Jesus' calling of a a few of the other apostles. And then we're going to jump to Matthew 9, where Jesus calls Matthew himself. Matthew 4, starting at verse 18. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called to them too. Immediately, they followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. A few chapters later, as Jesus was walking along, he seen a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, what does your teach, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. 
I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those, those who think, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, I, I read that account, and I look at the other scriptures that refer to the same calling of Matthew, and I wonder if Matthew was being a little humble in his own account. If you read the calling of Matthew in the Gospel of Luke, Luke records it almost identically, but he adds two little extra words. In the, in the Gospel of Luke, it says, later, as Jesus left town, he saw a tax collector there named Levi, and sometimes Matthew's called Levi in Scripture, we just said, right? Sitting at his tax collector's booth, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said. So Levi got up, or Matthew got up and left everything. I think Matthew, in, in his own account, was being a little bit humble. He says he got up and followed him. Luke's like, no, 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 no. Matthew got up, like ditched everything. Like he just got up, left it all behind, and followed Jesus. You see, Jesus is starting his public ministry. He's calling the initial 12 to become his followers, his disciples, and ultimately his apostles. And Jesus sees uh, Peter and Andrew casting this fishing net, for the scripture says, for they fished for a living. And then he calls out to them. He says, come, come follow me. I have something different for you. Come follow me. Stop doing what you've always done. Stop the only job you've ever known. Stop life as you've planned it. I have something different. They encounter Jesus. Jesus calls them, and their life is eternally changed. Radically different. And then Jesus walks a little further down the shore, and he sees James and John, and he calls them to follow him. And the scripture says they immediately followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. You can just imagine Jesus. Hey, 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 boys, ditch your dad. Come follow me. We're going to change the world. Jesus calls these men, and it changes the trajectory of their lives forever. Everything is about to be different because they encountered Jesus, and then they responded to Jesus' call on their lives. Then after James and John leave their father and all they've ever known, Jesus carries on along his way, and all of a sudden he comes upon Matthew or, or Levi sitting at his tax collecting booth. And Jesus calls out, Follow me. And Levi or Matthew got up and left everything. He just got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. To recap, Matthew was a Jew who was working for the Roman government, right? collecting taxes from other Jews. Matthew had chosen his career path in life. He was working for the government. He was making cash. He was living pretty large by worldly standards. His fellow Jewish citizens likely didn't like him because he'd sold them out for the Roman government, but he was okay with it. He picked job security. They deemed him scum. They deemed him someone who would take advantage of his own people, but he picked his path in life. He was making good money, even though he was taking advantage of his own people. He'd made his decision. And then enters Jesus. And Jesus calls, come, come follow me. Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. Matthew responds, and never would his life be the same again. 
Matthew got up and walked away from his tax collector's booth. Maybe I should say that again. Levi got up and abandoned his Roman government, the oppressive Roman government's tax collecting booth. Like, like he didn't call in, he didn't find someone to get a replacement, he didn't give two weeks notice. He just got up and left everything. There was no going back. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they, they got up and, and they left their family business fishing and they went to follow Jesus. But quite honestly, if this whole following Jesus thing goes a little sideways, they probably could go back to dad and go, hey, pops. So I was thinking maybe I could start back on the fishing boat. And quite honestly, Peter does this later in the gospel. Peter actually goes back to fishing. Matthew walked out on a Roman government station with no one. He just abandoned. No going back. When I read the story of Matthew, I, I feel like I connect with Matthew a, a little bit. I, uh, I used to work for Shaw Cable. I had chosen my career path in life. I, I was making great money working a couple hours a day. You suckers who are paying for cable, you know why they're so, that's so expensive? I was taking all your money. I, I had $400 a month of disposable tool money. Like 25 years ago, that was a lot of cash. Every month, I was like, woohoo, let's buy me some more power tools. Right? I picked my path. I was making great money doing very little work by worldly standards. I was living large and doing great. But then all of a sudden, Jesus called me. And I responded. And my life was never the same again. I became fully alive. Maybe truly alive for the first time in my entire life. And I know Shaw Cable isn't the Roman government. And, and I even gave my two weeks notice. So, <laughs> but, but, but I did make sure that when I left there, there was no going back. I left Shaw to step into ministry, and when I left, there was no plan B. There was no, I was going to call my boss back in a couple weeks or a couple years when things were going a little bit rough and saying, ha <laughs> Like, there was just, there was no going. I made a decision. I heard the call of Jesus, and I followed. There was no going back. Peter in John 21, actually, if you read John 21, the first couple of verses, he says, you know what? I'm going to go fishing. Like Peter was able to kind of go back. He wasn't quite sure what to do. Jesus was resurrected, but he wasn't sure what was going on, so he kind of went back to the family farm or the family fishery. For Matthew, there was no like, all right, I'm going to go back and collect a couple taxes. You know what? I got a couple side hustles. Uh, no, there was, there was no going back. The first kind of real thought I want to challenge you with and I want you to ponder tonight is simply this. Jesus called Matthew and Jesus is calling you. Jesus called Matthew and Jesus is calling, he's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you and you and you. One of the truths that I hope you leave here with tonight from Matthew's story 
is that Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. And if Jesus would call Matthew somebody who his own people thought was scum, see, it doesn't matter who you are. Matthew was looked at as a, a traitor to his people, as scum by his countrymen. He was fully living in the world. He'd sold out his religious heritage to be a part of the present oppressive Roman government. And by calling Matthew, Jesus is actually proclaiming that no one would be excluded. No one would be excluded from his movement. Not even those that society considered irredeemable. Last week, Pastor, in Pastor John's message, he reminded us that the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone, even those that society considers irredeemable. The gospel is for everyone, even those that, that maybe you or, or I think are irredeemable. When we were pastoring in Carlisle, we were seeing numerous young families, and they were coming to faith, and we had this whole group of, of young men, young husbands, and they were, they were bringing their families, and they were coming to faith, and they were part of our, uh, our volunteer, firefighters, uh, volunteer firefighter situation in Carlisle. But the chief of the firefighters in Carlisle was radically anti-church, anti-Jesus, wanted nothing to do with us or faith, and, and we'd had some conversations, and he was just opposed to the gospel. And then we kept having more and more of these young guys who were part of the, the firefighters in Carlisle, they would come to faith. And one Sunday, we were doing a pre-service prayer, and I, I literally, I just finished the prayer, and I was way at the end of this hallway, and I opened my eyes, and walking in the front door of the church was the chief, the firefighter, the firefighting chief. And me, being a great man of godly faith, my first reaction was, oh, why is he here? Oh, what, what's he doing? And my second thought was, oh, I know. I know what must have happened. Their whole, like, texting situation that sends out a message when something's gone wrong. I bet you it's all gone down. I bet you there's a problem. And he's coming to, because he knows there's like seven or eight or nine firefighters here. He's coming here to take all these guys out of church. Dead church. It's 100% what went through my head. Do you know why else people come to church? <laughs> oh, you do. You see, all these guys, I, I'd forgotten a simple truth that light dispels darkness, darkness does not dispel light. And all these guys, all these young men, all these young fathers who were coming to living faith, they were going to the meetings and they were going out on the calls and they were sharing the message of Jesus and they were sharing how they were finding hope and healing and how they were leaving the party scene and they were being freed from addictions and they were telling about how good life was and all of a sudden the chief was going through a personal struggle and light dispels darkness. And he showed up on a Sunday morning, someone who's radically opposed to the gospel Somebody who apparently I thought was irredeemable. And he came to faith. And eventually I got the privilege of marrying him and his wife and journeying with them. Jesus calls each and every one of us to follow him and to help others follow him. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's calling you. He's calling you tonight to, to follow him, to surrender your life to him, 
to give your life to him, to submit to him as Lord. He's calling you to be his follower, just like he called Matthew. And it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter where you've been. he's, He's calling to you. And as someone who is far from God and who answered that call and responded to Jesus, I tell you, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. The call of Jesus will disturb your life. It'll turn your life upside down, but it'll also lead you to great abundance. An eternal life, not always easy, but always lined with riches, or not always lined with riches, not always a walk in the park, but it's always right, always adventurous, and ultimately, I think you'll experience what it is to be fully alive. And for those of us here who do know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we've made that commitment already. I want you to know, too, that Jesus is still calling you. He's calling you to go deeper, to surrender in greater ways. He's calling us to new adventures and new paths. And he's calling some of us to not live with one foot in the world and one foot in faith. Matthew, he what? He got up and he left everything. He didn't kind of straddle this line where where one foot was, was in the world and I'm still kind of enjoying these perks while while I'm over here and kind of enjoying kind of the the perks of salvation. Jesus called each and every one of us to follow him. Jesus calls each and every one of us to follow him. Jesus called Matthew, and he's calling you. The uh, second thought, as we uh, wrap up, is uh, Matthew's transformation can be your transformation. Jesus saw Matthew as he sees all of us. Not just as who we are, but who each of us can become with and by his grace. I want you to know that God, Christ is calling you and he's seeing you not as who you are, but who you can become in and by his grace. Jesus loved Matthew and he had a specific task waiting for him in the kingdom. And Jesus turned this hardened tax collector who was was hated by his culture into an apostle of love. Personal transformation, radical personal transformation is possible with God. Matthew's transformation can be your transformation. I love tonight with the video with, uh, with Ernie and Joyce, the fact that I got the privilege to baptize my friend Trent. I love the fact that God chose me. Radical transformation, personal transformation. Jesus is calling you. Will you respond like Matthew? and give him your entire life. We respond like Matthew, following him with this idea that there's no going back. I'm not gonna live one foot over here and enjoying the the pleasures of the world, and one foot over here kind of feeling the, the joy of salvation. No plan B. Not always easy, but it's always good. Jesus, I stand in awe. 
I stand in awe of the fact that you would call someone like me. Jesus, I stand in awe that you'd call someone like me with my past and my struggles and my sins. Jesus, you you would choose someone like me. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed that you would pick me. As we close in prayer tonight, I want to challenge you to respond to Jesus' call on your life, to follow him and give him your entire life. If you're not yet a follower, just surrender it all. If you are a follower, but you've maybe been living with one foot in two different worlds, or maybe there's something God's been speaking to you and you've been kind of trying to argue or fight with him, he's not done with us. The story of Matthew, sinner, tax collector, scum, who is an eyewitness and a personal, personal recipient of truly amazing grace, who turned apostle, author, and martyr because he encountered Jesus. Jesus called, he responded, and he experienced radical transformation. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, right now as we pray with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus and you actually feel that he's calling you, he's calling maybe you to surrender an area of your life in a greater way, maybe he's calling you to sacrifice in a greater way, Maybe he's been telling you what the next chapter of your life is going to be if you'll only say yes to allowing him to lead you into that next step. Or maybe you're living with one foot in one world and one foot in another. If you're here and you know Jesus, but you know that he's got more for you, you know there's something he's calling you to do just right now. While I'm talking, just in your head, as you're praying to Jesus, just say yes. Jesus, you're my Lord, and if you're my Lord, my answer is yes. I no longer want to live with one foot in the world and one foot in faith. I want to say yes to the next adventure that you have for me. Lord, I've been scared to sacrifice in greater ways, but no, I trust you, and I trust you're good, and I get that it won't always be easy being your follower, but I know it'll always be right and true and good. And if you're here and you're not yet a follower of Christ, but you want to experience forgiveness, hope, healing. You want to experience transformation. I want you to know right now, Jesus is calling you, and it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your past. He's calling you right now. And I want to encourage you to be like Matthew. If you're ready to just rise up from your present life and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, I just want to pray with you. Father, tonight, I pray that we here at the Neighborhood Church, both in person and online around the world, that we would be a people who hear you calling us. And Lord, we would be like Matthew. We would just get up, leave everything to follow you. And we're living secure in the world with all those securities. I get it can be terrifying and frightening to say, I'm just going to give my whole life 
I'm going to give every aspect of my, my life, my work, my employment, my, my relationships, my, I just give it all to Jesus, trusting him. But Lord, I pray today that we would be a people who hear your call, who respond to that call and say, yes, yes, I will become your follower. And Lord, whether we've been in faith for years or we're becoming new believers tonight, that we would experience the transformation that Matthew experienced in our lives. Spirit of the living God, move in our lives as we hear your calling us, as we respond to become your followers in greater and greater ways. We pray this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen.